This episode of Children's Ministry Monthly is sponsored in part by DrawYouPicture.com, where you can get your next ministry logo designed from scratch for as low as $65. Most logos between $65 and $99. View the gallery, see what I've done for others, and see what I can do for you at DrawYouAPicture.com. Again, that's www.DrawYouAPicture.com. Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. How you doing out there? Man, 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 it's been a while. Welcome to Children's Ministry Monthly, episode 23, brought to you the week of August 22nd, 2010. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison, children's pastor at Suncoast Cathedral in St. Pete, Florida. Man, they say never to explain yourself when you're... Uh, when you've been gone for a while from podcasting because people in the archives won't care. But uh, after, what, March, April, May, June, July, and now August, nearly five months, I think I owe you a little bit of an explanation, uh, especially in the way of, uh, of a ministry update. Basically, I, it's been so long, I don't even know where I've left you guys off at, but um, I have made a switch and a change from Kansas City, Missouri, all the way to St. Pete, Florida, moving from a church, an inner-city church, a very large inner-city church in Kansas City, and now at a fairly large church here in St. Pete. Uh, totally different, um, I don't know, totally different ministry. Definitely not inner-city, uh, more of what you would call a traditional, a more traditional-style white, mostly white church, meaning uh, white folks. I said that the other day at my church, and they're like, our church ain't white, <laughs> and, and they thought I was referencing the color of the building. Uh, I guess because so many churches around here are white, but uh, the uh, it, it's been quite a change. And if there's any interest in hearing such a thing, I'm probably going to do a post on my journal, my audio journal at Gospel of Kennison. It's called the Gospel of Kennison. It's a joke, uh, but you could find that at gok.nlcast.com. Probably uh, record that right after this episode. But uh, today's um, show. Uh, well, anyway, that's why. That's why. Um, that's why there's been such a gap is we've moved and uh, we, we were in a um, just a situation where I didn't have a lot of time. I didn't even know what in the world I was going to talk about ministry-wise because I was transitioning. Um, and I'm sure future episodes of CM Monthly will have to do with a lot of the things I've learned in changing from one church to another, from one different culture to another, um, uh, how to you know, how the things I learned in one church applied or didn't apply in a new position. Um, and then also uh, just tips on, um, or maybe just some conversations about helping uh, leave the last church uh, in as good a shape as possible, preparing um, yourself to, uh, you know, to pass on your ministry. I don't know. But uh, that's why we we haven't had one for a while, and and I'm finally we're in a new home. We just moved into a new home. I've got my own studio now, uh, basically a spare bedroom that nobody else needs, and I've set it up, and I'm um, I'm able to record again. So hopefully, uh, CM Monthly will continue. Uh, Maybe a little different than before, um, but uh, you know we're, we're always welcoming your input. And uh, so you could send such things to see them monthly at gmail.com or call them in 218 monthly. That's 218 666 8459. 
And uh, we'd welcome some of that because, you know, it's been a while. But to this, this, this month, we're going to talk a little bit about something that I just got through talking with my brand new staff about. Uh, and, and by staff, I mean the three people that I do stage ministry with at uh, Suncoast in our kids' ministry, Children's Church. Okay, I have a lot of staff, but these are specifically the three um, that work with me on the stage, okay? I've got people in the sound booth. I've got people that are sitting down with kids, taking them to the restrooms and stuff. But I have not, to this point, sat down with the people that share the stage, that teach, that uh, you know help me with music, and I haven't sat down with them one-on-one um, uh, since I got here and done this and, and sit down and explain to them what I'm going to talk with you about today. And the, the topic this week or this month is timing, transition, and flow. And this applies no matter if you're a one-person show, if it's you and your husband or wife, or if it's you and a bunch of teenagers, uh, or if you're fully staffed. And uh, by the way, when I say staff, I mean people that work with me, not people I pay. So don't get jealous. Or maybe you should. I don't know. I found that paying people doesn't really help them be motivated very much. Uh, so let's talk about timing, transitions, and flow. That's the conversation that I had with my folks this morning, about an hour before service. And, and not in a uh, corrective way. Uh, I don't know. There's different people that do different children's ministries different ways. And I've seen several ways to do it. And of course, um, you know, I think what I've come to is is the best, not necessarily the way I do it, but the process is the best. Okay. So hear me out. What I the way I do it, I think is the best way. Not that I do it the best that I've ever seen. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I want to share with you what I found because my way isn't my way. Really, it's a conglomeration. It's a, I've, I've gone through like a buffet line. I've picked from this children's evangelist, from this children's ministry, from this mentor, and I've come together and I've built a method um, for keeping children's ministry flowing, or children's church, I should say, flowing and smooth and... Uh, I think I, I'd just like to share it with you. Maybe you do it this way. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can learn a little bit. It's up to you how you want to take this. Pick out the best parts, just like that buffet. Uh, leave the crud you don't like. That's fine with me. First thing I'm going to talk about a little bit is segments. All right, I'm really, really big on segments. We're going to talk about timing, but uh, segments is the key to good timing. Now, timing being um, just keeping things moving and flowing, knowing when things are supposed to happen and when they're not. Um, you don't need timing if, if all you do is get up with your Bible and speak for 45 minutes, okay? That's one of the ways I've seen children's ministry done. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan at all. Um, but I, a matter of fact, I know uh, not just children's churches that are done that way. I know kids' programs all over the country that are done that way. Somebody gets up there. They've got no preparation whatsoever, but they've got a job to do. And so they get up with a Bible and they start reading and asking random questions. And they wonder why they've got discipline problems, why they've got kids dropping out, why um, they can't get the respect they need. And, you know, you can make a children's ministry work that way. It's just not going to work right. It's not going to work well. It's not going to be fun for you or them. So uh, rather than doing it that way, I've always been a fan of breaking it up into segments. Now, yes, it's a lot more work, but it's the right way to do it, people. Segments. I learned segments from, of all things, uh, kids' TV shows. 
ever since I was a child, been watching, you know, everything from, uh, you know, what is it? The electric company and, and, um, and, and, uh, Sesame street, uh, all these, uh, four square, I think not four square. What's it called? I don't know, but zoom later on in life, romper room, uh, you know, early in the morning before school, uh, you got to see all these different shows and they have segments. They break it up into five to 15 minute and 15 minute being the longest. You'd probably want to go segments. Now, what are you talking about, James? What are segments? I'm going to act like you don't know anything about segments. Okay. Segments are, uh, parts of your service that you break up to make the hour and a half or hour or two hours not seem as long. Um, example of segments would be offering. That's a segment. Um, praise and worship time segments. I happen to break them up into two segments. Most of the time, praise being your fast, crazy songs. Then we do some other segments and then come in with worship games. If you have a game in your service, that would be a segment. Um, opening prayer, uh, rules and regulations, that's another segment. Uh, altar time is a segment. A puppet skit or a live character would be a segment. I'm a big fan of segments because as my mentor, David Gobbout, taught me, segments, if you have a certain order of service, and we'll get to that in just a second, but if you have segments, you don't have to try to outdo yourself every week, okay? Um, what you do is you have a, 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 an order of service. You've got an opening. You've got a prayer. You've got a theme song. I have a theme song. You may not. Uh, offering, praise and worship, uh, you know, message point one. I most of the time break my message up into three points um, and then teach them in three separate spots so it's not me preaching for 45 minutes straight or even 20 minutes straight. Um, and then, you know, a live character and then worship and then the service. And the, uh, you have that, and each one of those segments is a... Uh, oh, I've lost my train of thought. Anyway, point being... Segments are important. Oh, example. You break those those that hour or hour and a half up into segments. My daughter um, was talking to me about her first week of kindergarten this week. I asked her about it, and she says, it seemed like a long day, she says. She's five. Seemed like a long day, but there was lots of, I don't know that she said segments, but she said there was lots of um, changes no, she did say segments because she's heard me talk like that. Uh, she said, there's lots of segments, lots of things like you do in Kid City, she said, because she just started Kid City this summer too, uh, K through five. And uh, she says, so it didn't seem like it was that long, just like Kid City. And I love that because that's exactly the point. When you keep things segmented and chopped up into little pieces, it moves faster. Okay. Matter of fact, you're going to have to keep going faster than you think if you want to get all the segments in. I always actually create more than what I need. That way I can drop a segment that's not mandatory if I need to. Like the game's probably going to be the first thing I lose. But um, we even have a small group section at the very, very end after we get done with everything else. And small groups are great. If we can do them, we do them. If we can't, then parents can come pick up and they haven't interrupted our altar time. Um, but you also want to have a schedule of service. Schedule of service is written out, has all your segments written out in order. Now, some of you might be saying, well, that doesn't leave a lot of room for the spirit to move. Okay. First of all, I kind of want to poo-poo all over that idea because what I've seen when people, I don't think we mean it this way, but typically when I've seen people that rely on the quote unquote spirit to move is what they mean is I don't want to prepare 
and I don't want to get ready and I don't want to do anything. I just want to trust that we're going to go in there and have a big emotional experience. Now, I am from a Pentecostal church and we're all about the spirit moving. But what I've seen, guys, more times than not, more times than not, is when I prepare, that's when the spirit moves. He's there in the moment. If he can be there in the church service, why can't we believe he could be there in the preparation as well? But James, you just said an order of service that just would move this way, this way. Well, hold on, critic, imaginary critic. Um, I switch my segments around according to the service, according to the message, and of course, according to what I feel God's Spirit saying to me. And if God wants to change my service on the fly, and he does often, then it's a done deal. It's open. It's, it's like anything else in life, guys. You go to work to make money, right? And you come home and you eat dinner. You don't trust the spirit to make your dinner. You don't trust the spirit to give you money. (laughs) But if the spirit wants to move while you're at work, the day that you've already got planned out or the meal that you've already got planned, if God wants to interrupt it, duh, we're willing and and we're, we're ready to move and change and flow. Okay. So a matter of fact, just my personal feeling, I feel that God blesses a well-planned service. I really, really do. So uh, get that scheduled service, write out exactly how you want things to go, and get that stuff down. Get it down. Know what your segments are. Um, Break it up into sections, okay? Now, the only problem that arises with segments, and it's not really a problem, it's just something you need to think about, is my second point. We've talked about timing. Timing is knowing those segments and all that, is transitions, Okay, because you now that you're thinking in segments, you've got to be able to transition smoothly from one segment to the other, especially if you've got other people doing those segments. That's what I do. Okay, I used to have something called uh, a friend of mine would call the Pastor James show where I did everything. And it was because I thought that it was too much work to give to anybody else, not because I thought it was the best at it, but it was just it was too much work. For somebody else to do and honestly at the end of the day it was too much work for me to give it away and i didn't want to do it but he came up and he teased me he says hey that was pretty good for the pastor james show and at that moment i realized i needed to give some of my segments away and so that's what i do i don't need to take offering somebody else takes offering i don't need to preach all three parts of my sermon i'd usually do the last part of it but i give the other two points away especially something like the bible story They lay out the foundation, and then I come in behind them and pull the points out of it. The object lesson is done by somebody else. Praise and worship is done by somebody else. Um, Over and over, announcements, rules and regs can all be done by somebody else. Now, there's certain parts I still keep. I keep the altar call. I keep the last part of the sermon, and I always keep the intro. Like I want to greet the people and let them know who I am, assuming that there are new people in every single service. But uh, transitions become important even if you don't have anyone else. The point is you need to move smoothly from one thing to the other. And it also helps for where you have your scheduling and how what order you have your segments in. For instance, I always typically put the third part of my sermon, the serious part, the part I want them to listen to, I will always, almost always put it right after worship time. Okay? I do that the same reason Big Church does it, because I want the kids listening. Okay. Um, I will typically put praise and worship uh, the praise part near the beginning and uh, usually right after a game. Okay. I put games right after announcements most of the time. 
and I put announcements during or right after offering most of the time. Why have I done that? Why do I do it that way? I do mix it up once in a while to get crazy or whatever if I think it's going to be different because I'm looking at the behaviors of my kids and I'm thinking about what is going to make a smooth transition. Going from a game straight into worship would be absolutely insane. I'm talking about serious face on the floor style worship. You wouldn't want to go from, hey, crazy, 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 get as many balls in the hoop as you can in 30 seconds. Here's your prizes. Here's your sugar. Now sit down and worship. You don't do that. So we we don't ask kids to do things not even we ourselves can do. We, we look at our segments. We look at our order of service. And we work on our transitions, okay? Transitions aren't just from one segment to the other. Once you've got everything lined out perfect, you've also got to work on your, again, we go back to timing. Because I... I was telling my people this morning, um, you don't want a lot of space between your segments. You don't want a situation where the game is over, the, the, the game gal or game guy has awarded the prizes, have to sit, they sit the kids down, and then now game guy doesn't know what's coming next. He doesn't know who to pass the mic to. He feels a little awkward. Suddenly he's up there alone. His segment's over, and he is fe- he's feeling the need to Fill the air with noise because he has a microphone. And so he begins to babble. (laughs) Have you ever, have you ever done that yourself where you forget where you are, miss your point, whatever, whatever. And you feel like you have to fill the air with your voice. Otherwise you'll lose the kids or something will be wrong. I do that all the time on podcasting, by the way. But uh, you want to make sure that person knows what's coming next and so transitions become very important. One of the things I told my people is when it's your turn, all right, say, say that game is over and now it's time for praise or it's time for offering or whatever would make a good transition. We have a saying now that I'm going to say all the time, and that is we pass each other on the stage, okay? When, I, when game guy's coming off and when I'm coming up to, to start worship or, or, or the worship leader's coming up, they don't. Uh, pass each other in the audience to to pass off that microphone or to pass off the attention or the segment. They pass each other while they're still on the stage. That means the second point is that everybody that's a part of my service is reading ahead on their order of service, their schedule that they have in their hand. They're not just reading ahead, but they're reading further ahead. See, if you tell your people to only read ahead, what they'll do is they'll read forward in the service till their section, and then they'll read that and stop. And so I tell my folks, read ahead and then read further ahead, because it's not just about when your point is, it's about who's after you. So game guy, before he got up there, not only did he realize he was right after offering, but he looked ahead and he said, oh, I have to pass this microphone or the attention of the service to the praise and worship leader. So I'm going to be looking for them while I'm on my last sentence or while I'm handing out candy to the kids, I'm going to be scanning the room. Where's she at? But it's not so much his job as it is that worship leader. That worship leader is not in the back of the room waiting. She's not sitting even on the front row waiting. She is in the wings ready to cross that almost like a psychic, pardon the phrase, but she would walk across the stage and be there as soon as he says, thanks for playing the game, guys. Let's praise. Boom. 
She's got the microphone. They've passed. There's no dead time at all. Everybody knows where they are. Attention's off the game guy. He goes and cleans up a couple of ping pong balls off the floor, and he's gone. Nobody's even looking at him anymore. Praise and worship has started. Stand to your feet. Let's sing. Bam. Media guy hits the the tape deck or you hit the remote control on your CD player or whatever technology you have. Do you see how that goes? It means a lot less. First of all, it looks professional as mess. Secondly, your ADHD kids aren't freaking out as much because they have uh, something to focus on and it's switched and changed and it's something new. See, kids love beginnings and endings. And so do we. Those are the always the most popular television shows, the uh, opening one and the closing one. Uh, everybody was all about the ending of Lost, and, and we love endings and beginnings too, and that's what segments bring. So two things on transitions. You have to pass each other on the stage. That means you're ready. You're reading ahead, and you're reading further ahead. And guys, that goes for us too as children's pastors and children's ministers. We've got to know what's going on in the entire service. And God forbid somebody miss a cue or miss a link, we're there uh, to fill in the gaps. Or if a, if a cue doesn't go off, a, a song doesn't play, a DVD's not cued, whatever, whatever, we've got to be able to go. And that's where point three comes in. We talked about timing, talked about transitions. Let's talk a little bit about flow. Now, flow means different things to different people. In the inner city where I'm from, flow means a little bit of rhyming and rapping, stuff like that. I don't know how to flow. But on the service side of things, I definitely understand flow. Matter of fact, we had an opportunity a few years ago to perform our children's ministry service in front of a group of what I would call professional children's evangelists. Okay, it was very intimidating, and matter of fact, so intimidating that I I didn't um, I didn't think we did very good. Okay, and because because what I kept thinking is you know these guys have seen every children's ministry in the planet. They go from church to church. They see all these children's pastors the way they do it, and these guys have the opportunity to shine wherever they go because they have one or two children's church services that they do. They've got all this cool equipment. They get to use the same games in every place they go. They only have to create a new service once a year. And that's only if they go to the same place every year, you know, so they've really got it going on. And so in that way, I was a little intimidated because we have to be fresh. We have to be unique and it's hard to create a blockbuster drop dead, awesome service every single time. So all that being said, that's very nervous. So afterwards, one or two of them, you know, well, not one or two, there's a few, came up and just, you know, had some comments and questions and stuff and thought it was pretty, the general consensus was that we did okay. Well, one guy, uh, he was a, he happened to be a children's evangelist that I really looked up to. I'd seen his performance the day before. Um, it was really tight, really good. And I asked him, I said, wait a minute, you said I did good. You said you learned some things from me. And I put his, put his, um, I nailed him to the wall a bit and said, tell me what, what could you have learned from me. And he said this. He says, I learned flow. I learned flow. He said, and he, he mentioned, I love the way when one, tra- when one segment ended, somebody was right there to take the microphone. When the puppet went down, boom, you had another song. You had something else. Even if there was a gap where there wasn't supposed, when there was supposed to be something there wasn't, boom, you had a jump that you could throw in. Um, and, and, and he says, you had flow. And I didn't even know what it was, but I had it. It was pretty awesome. So let me talk a little bit about flow. Uh, flow is just what the guy said. It's, I don't know, it's like a sine wave. It's like uh, a, a, a gently rolling ocean. 
um, up and down and up and down, like the laziest roller coaster in the world. There's some ups and there's some downs, but it's nice and smooth. That's my wife's favorite kind of metal roller coasters, ones that are uh, nice and smooth and don't jerk your neck around. Um, that that comes in. That flow is when you have your timing and your transitions down as best and as close to perfect as possible. Flow, when you have no interruptions between your segments, when you have great transitions, helps kids, um, especially it helps kids that have trouble paying attention, all right? Your ADD kids and stuff like that. Nowadays, all kids, in my opinion, have ADD. I don't even stress about it. Matter of fact, you can tell the difference between a real ADD kid and one that's just, uh, that's just the excuse their parents use because they don't whoop them enough. <laughs> um, the ADD kid doesn't look like they're paying attention at all. But if you pin them to the wall, they would, they would be able to repeat every single thing that you said in the service better than the kid that learned how to look like he's paying attention. The fake ADHD and ADD kids that just don't know how to mind. They, they're not paying attention. They have nothing going on. They just want to cut up. Okay. So there's your difference. The ADD kids are smart <laughs> and, and they can concentrate on more than one thing at a time. I've learned that. But even with those kids, here's the thing. How come ADD and ADHD kid can sit down and play video games for three or four hours at a time if you let them? Oh, I never thought about that, Pastor James. Yeah. So it's not about attention. It's about interest. It's about their interest. If you can keep them interested, their attention grows exponentially. Okay? So here's the thing. With flow, you keep their interest slash attention, even though they're two different things, if you can get that interest. Interest comes into a whole different wing. I mean, we have to talk about things that apply to them, using examples that are from their world instead of ours, trying to relate to them instead of relating to us, da 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 uh, you, So there's that. But short of that, even if you have the best sermon in the planet, if you don't have flow, in my opinion, you've got the jerkiest, herkiest, jerkiest roller coaster in the world, and it's going to be hard for kids to pay attention. Even the best kid, if you're going from one segment to the other, and guys, we've you know what I'm talking about in children's ministry. I've seen it a hundred times, and it makes me cringe. It's where um, the puppet goes down, the puppet stage, I mean, the puppet show is over, the song's been done, the game guy's done, whatever the segment is, and nothing happens. And nobody knows what's going on. Or the person gets up to do their object lesson and then they say, hold on a minute, and they have to go in the back and get their stuff. So the key to flow is timing, transitions, but most of all, preparation. I have a saying, 90% of frustration alleviation is preparation. If you're prepared, oh my goodness, it takes care of everything else. It really, really does. Now, you can't control outcomes. The today, I thought I was prepared. I thought I was 100% prepared in, in children's church today. I had just got through sitting down and having this conversation with my people. We were talking about flow and timing and all this kind of stuff. And unfortunately, somehow, some way, my Song Show Plus service, where I had everything mapped out perfectly the way I do, I didn't hit save on my last edit. And something was way out of order. And I had to run back there and get everything squared away and straightened out. And some things weren't popping like they were supposed to. I had a segment that wasn't very flowy, let's say. But I'm going to tell you what, I've had more compliments about today's service than any other. The kids didn't even mind. Why? Because it wasn't every segment. It was the exception, not the rule. And I didn't lose their attention because the kids were so into it, they wanted it to continue. Kind of like a roller coaster in a cartoon where it goes up and the track disappears, but then the roller coaster 
comes back down and lands perfectly on the next segment of track. That's kind of what it felt like. I didn't know it was going to come down back on the tracks. I thought I'd ruin it. I was back there just beating myself up because I didn't hit save or something. I don't know what happened. Maybe I just royally screwed up. But uh, outcomes we can't control. But guys, we can do the best we can to prepare. All right. So again, let me just kind of recap and even go into depth on some of this stuff in the big picture, because not everything fits into a, a nice three-point timing transitions and flow thing. So how do we do this? I, I mentioned the order of service. Get an order of service. Do not trust yourself to remember. When you get up on that stage, if you're like me, um, you got a bunch of kids. I don't know. My mind kind of blanks out uh, in the spirit or not, whatever you want to call it. I just get up there and I want to babble. I want to make them laugh. I want to cut up. I want to get off topic. But uh, that order of service keeps me and my people in gear. It's fair to your people because you might know everything, but your people that you're sharing the stage with don't. They, they need to know where they're coming up. I print off an order of service, all right, every week. Matter of fact, Big Church does the same thing. Everybody does. Segments is the other deal. I, I'm real big on segments. Break your stuff up in as small a pieces as possible, Especially if you have a large uh, span of ages from kindergarten to fifth grade. That's what I've got. I find that my fifth graders could track for a little longer than my kindergartners, but uh, but I don't want them to. I, I've, I don't want them to have to. Um, I, I, and I see this. I go and visit other children's ministries sometimes, and, and they, they do all the same stuff I do, except they squeeze their sermon in. They don't squeeze it. They, they leave a huge gap for it at the end. And uh, the person sits up there and talks for 35 or 40 minutes. And the big church pastor doesn't even talk for that long. But yet we're going to sit our kids down and make them listen to us for that long? And we expect them to behave? I'm sorry. Even if they behave, they have checked out. They have checked out. I've checked out. I don't even want to listen to you for that long. And so I found secretly that if I break it up a little bit, and I get it into three or four segments. If I give a couple away, dude, I can actually get more speaking time in than you. But I've broke it up and I don't feel like it. Like my daughter said about kindergarten, it was it, it seemed like a long time, but it went quick because we had different segments. Break that junk up and you'll find yourself. I, I had to argue with my people when I first got here because they had a thing where they were doing worship for like 40 minutes, 45 minutes every single week. And I'm not talking about happy songs. I'm talking about jumping right in to the, to this dark, deep, you know, face on the floor style worship. And not only did that not transition very well, it wasn't fun for new kids. It wasn't fun for anybody. There were some kids that had really gotten into it, but they were typically the middle schoolers who hadn't left kids' church. And I was looking around, and I'm like, dude, everybody from third grade under is completely checked out. And, you know, they don't even do worship for 45 minutes in big church most of the time. It's it, There's nothing wrong with it if that's what God wants to do. But as a rule, no. So the first thing I did is split it up. And I'm like, guys, do three songs here, four songs there, whatever you want to do. And I gave them the same amount of time. But they did, not even the worship leader realized it. She said, that's not enough time. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're using two 20-minute segments. It doesn't feel that long, but you've got the same amount of space in there. Anyway, so segments are huge. Give segments away. Give your people something to do. Even if they, even if you don't have enough people right now, I don't have enough people to have stage people and floor people with my kids. So my floor people come up on the stage during their segment. All right. My kindergarten person, 
uh, came up and did the Bible story today. My first grade person came up and led worship today, okay? So, um, and they cover for each other. It's just the way we have to do it. Give segments away. You'll you'll find you you draw people that don't want to do segments. You'll find you draw people that just need to be in the background, and that's fine. I don't pressure anybody. I don't force anybody. But I happen to be very blessed with a couple of young people that really want to be children's pastors when they're older. I'm going to give them segments. I'm going to give them stuff to do, not just on the stage, behind the scenes, um, all over the place. But give that stuff away. Don't let it be the pastor fill-in-the-blank here show. Okay. Um, cue up your media. There is nothing worse in the world, and you know it. And we've all been in these situations where you hit play and and your DVD doesn't start in the right place, or you see that blue screen or that FBI warning, and you're like, dadgummit, I needed to be in the right place. What I do now, I don't even use DVDs. I, I rip those suckers. Now, if you're technically um, inebriated, I don't even know what that means, um, but if you're not very good at that kind of stuff, uh, look up on the internet how to do it. There's free software all over the place for ripping DVDs. Now, um, that is kind of illegal to rip the whole thing, but there's something called fair use. If you bought the DVD, um, you can rip the segment you need and use it, and nobody's going to come after you. Um, uh, but most of the time, I don't use movie clips these days. I find that um, I use curriculum that comes with videos. Most of those anymore come in MP4 format, meaning a, a file that you can play uh, over your video projector or um, off your computer. Uh, so I, I, I don't even have to rip anything. But in the days before that, I would rip everything that I needed, uh, videos, everything, put it in my computer, queue it up, and I've got it set to where I can click a button and boom, I've got it in line where I need to get it. Maybe I, I think I've talked about how I do my services. Maybe I need to do that one day, uh, how I've got all my media queued up and all that. But let's assume that you're uh, where I was 15 years ago and your overhead projector CD player with a remote. Get that stuff queued up. Um, you know, if you have a CD player, get all your sound effects, all your segment intros, your worship, and all that, and and burn a custom playlist using iTunes or whatever, and make yourself a custom CD off your computer and get that stuff in order. Track one is uh, the intro song. Track two is the offering sound or background noise. Track three is the puppet intro or background sound. Track four and five and six are your three praise and worship songs. Track whatever. Get all that stuff in order. Don't be switching CDs and switching tracks and all that kind of stuff. That is horribly uh, hard to do. Uh, not only on stage live, I've seen that done. It's hard for your sound man in the back, and you're going to be talking to him over the microphone. That's the most uh, distractive thing you can do is try to talk to the sound man from the front. You want kids to turn around and focus on the sound man? No way. You want to embarrass the sound man? No way. Um, so do a little bit of work on your on your end, a little bit more work. Get that track queued up, give it to him, and, and give him a playlist. Here it is. Track one is this. Show him in the... Uh, in the order of service, where it's going to be. It sounds like a lot of extra work, but I'm telling you what, preparation, frustration, alleviation, and all that, dude, it is worth it. It is worth it. Um, okay, the other thing is uh, teach your games in advance. Here, Man, I've seen games done a million ways, but the way that I like to do them is I tell my game person this. If it takes you more than 30 seconds to tell people how to play a game, then you've lost them. Here's the way I want my games to go down. I want my game person to come up right on time. The game sound plays. Uh, she says, 
This is literally what she does. She says, if I chose you to play a game, I want you to come up here. And man, six kids, 10 kids, whatever it is, will come up. There's no choosing children right there in the spur of the moment. Why? Because what I told my person to do, I, she, I said, here are a bunch of tokens. They could be checkers. They could be tokens. They could be buttons, whatever a kid can't swallow. I said, before service, we are going, you're going to go around and you're going to find however many kids you need and you're going to give them this and you're going to tell them they're going to play a game and to meet you over in the corner in five minutes. And so that's what she does. She goes around pre-service. Now that rewards kids that show up early or on time rather. And she also, she's already choosing kids that are being good. And I'm going to tell you, if the kid with the tokens being bad, he gets it taken away and it gives it somebody else. But anywho, uh, my person comes up on stage. She says, if I chose you to play a game, come on up. So those kids come up, they put their token in a, in a little uh, container that she has in her hand while she's telling the kids what they're about to see. She doesn't have to teach the game to the kids because she did that before service. She pulled them aside and she said, and she has the props and she's telling them, Hey, what you're going to do is you're going to have this tube and you're going to put as many ping pongs in as you can in 30 seconds. And one of you are going to win. Does anybody need to practice? Are there any questions? Okay, go back and play service will start in just a few seconds. That's the way that goes. So the way it goes in service, she calls the kids up. They put their tokens in the bucket. They take their positions because they already know where they're supposed to go because they've seen the props. They get in place. She quickly explains it. What you're about to see is team one and team two competing. They're going to see how many balls they can fill in 30 seconds. On your mark, get set, go. And our 60-second countdown uh, starts. Most of our games... Um, are how many blanks can you put in blank in 60 seconds? That's that's why I love the minute to win it uh, game show because it gives me lots of good ideas. And if I can, I, I theme it. Today we talked about stress. So I had an acrylic tube, clear acrylic tube attached to a mic stand. Had two of them. And they had to put as many ping pong balls in the bottom of the tube until one of them popped out of the top. And they had 60 seconds to make one. It took exactly 30 one ping pong balls, I think, to fill it. So I had 35 ping pong balls in each thing. Anyway, it was all planned out, all done, and they did it. One team did it. One kid held the balls in. The other two uh, fed them up into the bottom of the tube. It was fun. We'll talk about more about that in a second. But all that to say, the games were taught in advance. I gave We give them tokens so that they know who they are. There's no choosing kids. There's It, it just goes very, very quick. Doesn't that sound a lot better than what we've done in the past with games. Uh, you can have that for free. Um, here's another one. Save some stuff for Sunday school or small groups. Okay, In children's church, I don't care if you have 10 kids or 200 kids, prayer requests, individual prayer requests, it, it's just, in my opinion, it's not the time. It's not the time in a big church service. Imagine big church trying to do that. Um, you know, does anybody have any prayer requests? Man, 200 people would raise their hands, even if there were only five people in your church, and they would have a story to tell about every prayer request. Because, you know, you can't ask a first grader, um, what do you, what, do you have a prayer request? No, they, they'll raise their hand. One time I was kicked in the back by my dog died and prayed for my grandma. And there's this whole story. So um, I save, we do prayer requests, but I also have Sunday school. And I have small groups at the end of... Uh, of my children's church service, just 15 minutes. That's where we do our prayer requests. Okay. I've seen Missionette 
um, which is a girls, you know, program in my church. I've seen missionette classes where they can take up to 30, 40 minutes. I'm not even lying, sitting there taking prayer requests. They'd write them on the wall, then they would pray for each one individually, and that's awesome once in a while maybe, but every single week, and that's that just smacks to me of you finding something that works rather than having to prepare and actually teach. So save some stuff for small groups or Sunday school. I don't know what those things would be. I'm thinking of prayer requests right off the top of my head. But there's a lot of stuff you can't do in a big church setting. Um, the last one, uh, as far as flow goes, is predict, predict patterns of behavior. Okay. Now, we always have those full moon Sundays where everything, no matter how much you've prepared, seems to go absolutely wrong. The kids are crazy and all that. We're not talking about that. What I'm talking about is, and, and Willie George actually explained this to me years ago, not in person, I think I was listening to one of his tapes or something, but there is this natural flow that's going to happen in your children's church service, no matter what. And that is they're going to come in crazy and somewhere in the middle of your service is where they're going to be the quietest. And then they're going to go back out crazy. They're going to get itchy and restless right before the end. So instead of fighting that, I go with it. And so I have my wild and crazy stuff at the very beginning and the very end, and I have my serious stuff. It's probably right after midpoint, okay? So I predict patterns of behavior in the big picture, and I have stuff set up in certain spots. How do you do that, Pastor James? Um, well, let me explain the ending, because a lot of times I see children's church service end with these big, long, drawn-out altar call services, and that's fine, whatever you want to do, but... I also see parents at the door with signs on the door that say, parents, stay out. The Spirit of God is moving in our service. And I think that's the most disrespectful thing we can say to parents. How, how dare someone tell me I can't get my own child? That's, that's so presumptuous, especially when you think that they're supposed to be the primary spiritual uh, influence on their own children anyway, and we're taking that place from them and assuming, I don't know, do it if you want to. I was the first one. I tore those signs down when I got to kids' church. Um, well, well, Pastor James, they just start sense. Well, here's what you do. If you want to do that, move it up in your service. Move it up and put some stuff at the end. And that way, you've got plenty of time. And you're well done, or you're at least, you know, every altar service eventually does end but you'll be well into it, if not totally done, by the time parents are even showing up. Move it up in your service. Put it in the middle. So that's what I do. Um, so we have our, our, our you know, praise and worship. We have our final point. We do our altar service, and it's usually different every time. I like to keep it fresh, but it's always sincere. Like today, um, we, we just rested. We're talking about, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, because we were talking about stress. And, and it was a one-point sermon. It was very interesting. It was just, come to me. That was it. Come to Jesus. And, it, and we talked about how stress comes from when we try to control the outcomes of things, that how things are going to turn out. That's God's job. We can't control outcomes. We can work really, really hard and do things and get prepared and get ready, but the outcome's up to Him. And, when, and I had this giant backpack that must have weighed 200 pounds, I had a couple, three kids come up and pick it up, and they did, but man, it was heavy, and they wanted to put it down. And I said, you know, if God says his, his, our, our, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, the pressures he gives us are, are easy to handle. If he says we won't be tempted or pressured above what we can bear, but we're pressured and we're stressed and we're burdened, what's the deal there? And I realized that 
First Peter talks about cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. If you feel that pressure, if you feel that stress, that means you're doing part of God's job. You're worrying about things you can't control. You're doing more than you're supposed to. You're carrying more than you have to. And so during our altar time, we just had them rest. Find a place. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, sit. If you want to lay down, lay down. And let's just rest. The Holy Spirit's here. God is here. Just just rest in Him. No pressure, no stress. It was awesome. The kids loved it. I heard a couple of yawns. We talked about how, yeah, prayer is awesome. We pray. You know, we read our Bible. But there's, and I never use the word meditation. A lot of people are scared of that. Kids wouldn't understand it anyway. But there's this idea of just focusing on God, just letting your mind and your heart just feel God and just being with Him. Kind of like when you and your spouse are just sitting and together and you're not talking, you're just spending time together. Um, I think there's a place for that in our relationship with God. And that's what they experienced maybe for the first time today. Uh, anyway, altar times are always a little bit different. But um, after that, <laughs> that's not how we ended. No parents interrupted, by the way, because we had it near the last three quarters or the beginning of the last third or fourth of the service. After that, we 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 bring them back to their chairs. I I I, I encourage them a little bit more to ramp them up, and then we have a video that we play that kind of summarizes the service. Then we do a quick review. Then we give away prizes, and then we um we we send them to their small groups. And then they get to play after that. But see, I've got two buffers in there. If service goes long, small groups and playtime are just a little longer. If parents come early, then we lose playtime in small groups. But I still got my altar time in. See there, I don't have 30 parents hating me. So predict patterns of behavior in the big picture. But also predict patterns of behavior in the little between segments. Okay, again, I said at the beginning, don't put worship right after a game, okay? The, the, the way kids are wired and the way we're wired is after a game, I need something medium, okay? That's the way we do worship services in big church, by the way. We, we play our big songs, our happy songs, and we get all excited, we clap, and then we do a medium song and another medium song, and then we do a slow song, and the last song we do is usually this deep, meaningful, just feels like God is standing there with a song, okay? Worship leaders are masters, of predicting patterns of behavior. And um, and I don't think they're manipulating anything as much as they're standing at the door of the throne room of God and they know how to usher you in. They just do their part. Guys, we do the same thing. We're not manipulating anything. We're just predicting behavior and meeting them where they are. You're going to find that you have less discipline problems if you predict the majority of the kids' behavior and meet them where they are and use their energy. You don't try to do something serious right at the beginning. You don't try to do something serious right at the very end. You put your serious stuff in the middle, um, your crazy stuff at the at the ends. And man, I'm going to tell you what, the flow just, it goes, okay? All right, so if that wasn't um, uh, too long uh, or too boring, then you're still with me. I'm going to move on to, um, if you have any comments or input on that, by the way, you can send those things to see you monthly at gmail.com or 218 666 uh, eight, four, five, nine. Um, I do have an email. Matter of fact, we've got a lot of emails. Most of them were topic suggestions. Some of them on outreach, some of them on ideas for new kids and things like that. So we're going to do some of those in the future. Matter of fact, I may do a conglomeration where I just talk about all those things in one, um, one, uh, episode, but we'll see. This is from Annette. It's probably four months ago, but she says, I just got connected to you 
through iTunes last summer, and I've enjoyed connecting with you through the podcast. I especially enjoyed the Discipline Minicast. It helped us start a program for our teachers. I think it went well for our first year. Thanks for making me laugh about the stuff that can make me scream sometimes. Keep up the good work, Annette. So thanks, Annette. If you'd like to uh, encourage this ministry, uh, send your stuff. I've said it a few times. See you monthly at gmail.com. Um, uh, as far as resources for this month, I want to tell you about those acrylic tubes that I was talking about. These things are awesome, and they're available for anybody. I was looking online because I wanted a clear PVC pipe. They do make the things, but they're insanely expensive, and you can't get them anywhere. But um, for uh, for three and a half dollars, you can go down to Lowe's or Home Depot. I got it at Lowe's, uh, and you can get an acrylic fluorescent tube cover. Okay, these are I guess two plastic acrylic tubes um, that they put over fluorescent light bulbs where. I guess if they were in a workshop and they broke their light bulb, it would um, maybe protect it from getting broken. But even if it broke, I guess it would keep the tube and the gases contained a little bit. But um, these things come in four foot and eight foot sections. And um, they, again, three and a half and I think seven and a half dollars for the long ones. And they're awesome. I got two of them. A ping pong ball will fit absolutely perfectly inside of them and about 32 31 balls inside they come with end caps so it's actually a great way to store ping pong balls and it looks really cool but um man i i've been coming up with all kinds of ideas for for these games or for games using these things not only can you fill them up like i did where i attached them to a uh a mic stand and shoved them in the bottom um, you can take one ping pong ball, put it up to your mouth and micromanage where that ball is with just a little bit of breath. Okay. It does fog up a little bit, but I've been trying to think eventually I'm going to use that for an object lesson, but you can blow that thing. It'll go all the way to the end of the tube. You could stop and pull it back. I even had my two year old son playing with one of them doing the same thing. So kids will be able to micromanage that ball. I thought about with middle schoolers or high schoolers, you could put one kid on each side put a ping pong ball in the center center and put a couple of red lines with marker and have them try to fight like a tug of war to blow that ball one way or the other. I don't know. I don't know, but I'll tell you this next time I do a big outreach or want a big response and want a great prize. I'm going to go get two of those eight foot acrylic tubes. I'm going to fill those bad boys with Skittles and it'll probably cost me about 20 bucks. I don't know. I don't know how much Skittles are, but I'm going to fill them with, uh, with uh, Skittles. I'm going to cap those jokers off, put some, clear packing tape on the tips to keep them from falling out. And man, oh man, oh man, what kid wouldn't die seeing that? And what, what, you know, bring all their friends or bring offering or whatever. And you get an entire eight foot tube of Skittles. So those are just a few of the ideas I've had for acrylic fluorescent tubes, uh, for acrylic fluorescent tube covers. If you have any ideas or if you use them in interesting ways, why not share them? I'll share them on the show and on the website at cmmonthly.com. But um, that's it for this month. We're going to get out of here. Um, website, cmmonthly.com. Check it out. There's lots of articles, podcasts, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, cmmonthly at gmail.com is the email address. 218-MONTHLY, 218-666-8459. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash NLCast. That is NLCast. We'll see you guys next month.